You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast.
But at the end of the day, I'm convinced that's not how we're going to win Muslims to Christ. Jesus taught us to love our neighbor as we would ourselves. Jesus taught us to love our enemies and to pray for them. And so my second point is that we need to love them. Part of loving them is understanding them. Stop believing the news of what CNN and BBC and all these people show us who they are. Stop being afraid of them. Learn their culture. Come to the land. Learn their food. Learn why they dress the way they do. Learn who they are as people. They are very moral people. And so we have to move to their countries and we have to be with them. Just as Jesus came down to be one of us, we have to go to them. Are we loving Muslims? Are you loving the Muslims that God has put in your path? Wow. Have we built a church of disciples that when they come come to our church that they are blown away by the love, wow. by the family, something that they will never see in their religion. Wow. When Muslims see our church full of many people from different nationalities and they see the radical love we have for each other, they're going to get curious. Yeah. They're going to want to know why are we this way. Yeah. And so prayerfully they're, wanna, they're going to want to study the Bible and see the source of this power of love. Yeah. And this is how, this is then when we can use our knowledge of Islam. Knowledge of their false teachings and our skills to refute their scriptures and give their hearts to Christ. Yeah. And then and only then will they be won over once they feel loved. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
that desire comes from a false belief of self, meaning like you don't even really exist. There is no soul. And the only way to get out of this is escaping into nirvana. Nirvana isn't a spiritual state of ecstasy. It's entered when a person realizes that their soul doesn't exist. In fact, nothing exists. You have no soul, no God, no you, no right, no wrong, no relationships. And that's how you escape suffering. So how do we help our Buddhist and Hindu friends? First of all, April touched on it. We love them. Proverbs 19.22 says, What a man desires is unfailing. Two, show interest in their background. When they share with you, don't laugh. Don't make fun of it. Because that's all they've grown up with. Acts 17 says Paul went and he really understood and saw all the different gods that the Athens worshipped. Three, help them look at Jesus' life. Most uh, Hindus and Buddhists that look at Jesus' life are only going to see that he had a lot of bad karma because he suffered such a bad death. But you want them to, what you want to help them to see, it wasn't Jesus' own sin, it was the sin of others he was taking on. You help them to see all the miracles, the healings, everything that he did on the earth. They have a very merit-based mentality because both believe in karma and reincarnation. So help them with questions like, are you, do you have any certainty you'll reach moksha? Will you forever be trapped in this cycle? Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Wow. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, We're saved by grace, not by works. Uh, help them to understand we only have one life. Hebrews 9, 27 to 28 says, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. We won't get multiple chances. We have to live our life the right way now. Yeah. And finally, uh, just help them, especially Buddhists, to see that suffering is actually what leads us to God. I want to leave you with two challenges. One, if you really want to know how to conquer Eastern religion, you need to study it out. I was convinced because I didn't know a lot about this, but Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Uh, a a website that really helped me was CARM. C-A-R-M.org. It stands for Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry. And finally, have faith. God can change these women's hearts. Be patient with them as they study the Bible. Imagine how grateful they'll be that they no longer have to earn their salvation. <laughs> Jeremiah 24 says, 7 says, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. Okay, so I'm going to speak about Jesus is Jehovah's Witness. So the Jehovah's Witnesses say, man does not have a soul or a spirit that lives past the death of the body. But we know that we are spirits that live within this body and will go home to be with God. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 6-10, Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For if... For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So Jehovah's Witnesses claim that only 144,000 spiritual Jehovah's Witnesses will go to heaven. 
But we believe that every sold out disciple is going to be with God in heaven. Because the Bible says in Revelation 7, 9 to 10 and verse 14, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne, before the Lamb. And in verse 14 it says, Sir, you know, and he said, These are the two... They who have come out of the great tribulation, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So the Bible does say that you cannot count the number. Now the Jehovah's Witnesses say that the rest of the Jehovah's Witnesses will remain on the earth for eternity. But we know that there will be no earth to live on any longer. Because the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 10 to 11a, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? And finally, Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus is a creative being, an archangel, the archangel Michael to be more specific, not a deity. But we know that Jesus is God, the true Jehovah's Witness. In Hebrews 1, 3 to 6, it says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which the angels, of, the angels did God ever say, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father. He will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says that all God's angels worship him. Yeah. Additional verses to refute this, you can write this down. Romans 9, verse 5. Colossians 1, 15, and verse 19. And Titus 2, 11 to 14. And John 20, verse 28, when Thomas says, um, My Lord and my God to Jesus. And um, the last one in Matthew 2, verse 11, and verse uh, chapter 14, verse 33, where Jesus was bowed down to and worshipped. You know, last night when I left the conference, it was really late, and we went in the, in the tube, and I started reaching out to this lady, and she was coming from work, from Canary Wharf, and lo and behold, she was a Jehovah's Witness. And I was really convicted, because um, she was really cold, um, she didn't... Uh, it was not on, until I shared my faith with her that she pulled out her card and showed me a card that she said Jehovah's Witness, and she started going into a debate. Um, we didn't have much time, but it was really, really sad. The, the sad reality is that most of my family are Jehovah's Witnesses. My mom studied with the Jehovah's Witnesses for five years and never became one, and now she's a sold-out disciple. Amen. So let's proclaiming that Jesus is God, He's Savior and He's Lord to this lost world. So let us be Jesus and God's true Jehovah's Witnesses. Amen. It's great to be here together with you. I'm going to be speaking about conquering atheism. So I'm from London, uh, but now I live in uh, Stockholm. Come on. Sweden is a country that is a, it's a ma the majority of people are atheists, or they're just not believing. And I'm not sure of the um, stats, so I'm sorry I didn't check on that one. And, uh, but I just want to read uh, a little bit of Psalm 19. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. 
their words to the end of the young world. Nature speaks for itself that, that, that there is a God. One of the main ar arguments you know, that, the, that the atheists have, uh, they say that uh, uh, there is evil. Why does God allow bad things to happen? Yeah. Yeah. And then hypocrisy. People have been turned off by the hypocrisy that they see in the churches. Uh, people also um, are saying that, uh, that you can't trust the Bible. It's been changed so many times. And also they say, I believe in science. It's very common when you come to Sweden that you'll meet people who say, I believe in science. That's great. So 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 do I. Jesus right. <laughs> never said, "Don't believe in science." Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, we want to see. There's another scripture I just want to read to you because I think what is really important, what's going to really help us, is for us to know our Bibles. Yeah. 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 In 1 Peter uh, 3, 15 to 16, it says, "Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you." Questions are great. People. So it's great when people have questions. Yeah. And that. To, and it says to ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Yeah. We have to be sure of that hope. Yeah. We, we shouldn't be shy or ashamed or embarrassed on a Christian. Yeah. It's like, I believe in salvation. I believe there's a God. I believe there's going to be a heaven. There's going to be no tears. There will be peace. You know, this is a great hope to have because we live in a, in a world and in a, and in a country where there is no hope. There's yeah. a lot of depression, a lot of divorce, yeah. a lot of suicide is yeah. uh, But it says to do this with gentleness yeah. and respect. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Some of the said, we have to respect the people that have different ideas or beliefs. Yeah. We have to be very gentle with them as well. Yeah. Uh, keeping a clear conscience that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior uh, in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. And that's so it's really important that one we have a, that we that we know our Bibles, but also there's a huge amount of ev evidence out there that support the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. That for example, there are over twenty-four thousand manuscripts that support the New Testament. Wow. And that's so sometimes people are going to have questions and maybe yeah. you won't have the answer. But you can say, I'm going to find out and I can come back to you. Yeah. I've discovered so much about my own faith and belief because people have said things and asked yeah. questions. Yeah, and so I'm true. like, oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but often people will say, I don't believe in God because of bad things that happen. And maybe they'll say things that have happened to them. But I say, well, do you credit God or do you blame God for all the good things that happen? Wow. Wow. All the acts of bravery, the acts of courage, yeah. the moments of love. Amen. So it's like you're really looking for people who are listening, who are willing to reason a little bit. Yeah. My husband yeah. was an atheist, wow. and, uh, but it took three months. He was going to Bible talk for three months, and he saw the love of the disciples, Amen. and then he studied. show but I know here that you're happy Amen. because you walk close to God. Yeah. Um, my name is Vienna and it's very ironic because last year you see I just came out of the waters of baptism. Yeah. 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 Thanks to two lovely ladies Maria studying with me. Um, it's ironic because I came from a Pentecostal church and today I am coming to talk to you about Hungarian Pentecostalism. Yeah. So, who of you um, came also from a Pentecostal church or has ever visited one? 
around a lot of people. Let me then skip my first point on explaining it. Thank you. Um, first of all, I have a question. Pentecostalism. Um, when I think of Pentecostalism, um, what comes to mind is entertainment. And let's see, do we love entertainment or do we have love for the lost? Jesus was all about love for the lost. Nowhere to be found in the Bible. I'm, I'm, I'm tried to read it in one year and I'm almost there. Nowhere have I found that it was about creating a great atmosphere, about entertainment, about songs or dancing or shows. It is not in the Bible. And I'm so grateful that we all have the Bible as a standard of our life. I'm so grateful. Because why? We have love for the lost and the Pentecostal churches are lost. I come from a non-religious background, I had no faith, and I was seeking God. I was seeking God with all my heart. Yes. And I came and entered the Pentecostal church, and for the first few weeks I was crying. I was crying because I was so caught up in my emotions. Um, there was great singing, they weren't really like, it was all out. But it was tea time, not D time. It was time for therapy, I was like overwhelmed, I was crying, crying, crying. There was. It was, it was really for me like therapy. I had a lot of moments that I really looked at my life and I was really seeking for love. I was seeking for God. But I didn't find God in that church. I found the songs, I found great, like the children are doing dancing shows and there was great singing and there was a band and all those things. But no love, I entered the church and I left without talking to anybody. Um, second, second thing. The pastors, there are so many famous pastors out there in Pentecostal churches, they're all like almost famous. And it's not about Jesus, it's not about God. It's like, okay, this pastor is great. Or even when I try to invite people to church, I'll tell them, um, the singing is great and the pastor is a really nice guy. That's how I would invite people to church. Come to Sunday morning, the singing is great and the pastor speaks nice. I had life lessons, but still I couldn't find God. So, are you? Are we about God pleasing or people pleasing, or the other way around? Is it about people pleasing or God pleasing? There's so much power in the, in the Pentecostal churches. They speak about the Holy Spirit and they speak about power, but they deny the power of God, and that's the Bible. Is it about prosperity gospel, or is it about the prosperity of the gospel? I mean, you can pray like, oh, I want a, a car, and I want a great house, and I want about this, and I want that. But what about saving other people? What about not being selfish, but being selfless? Jesus was all about that. Jesus was selfless. We need to imitate that. The world needs us. Everybody wants to be rich, but nobody wants to hear the riches of the gospel. That is what we need. Are we conquering kingdoms through tongues and healing, or are we conquering kingdoms through faith? I really quickly want to read the scripture with you in Acts. Please go to Acts chapter 1 and 2. Um, I want to share something that really, really inspired me. Um, it's in Acts chapter 1, and it is in verse 3. Sorry, verse 4. On one occasion, while he was still eating with them, he gave them this command, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promises, with you, which you have heard me speak about. Now, Jesus is speaking after his resurrection for 40 days about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a gift. Wow. I'll say it again. The kingdom of God is a gift. Amen. 
in chapter 2, we know this, um, this passage. It speaks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but also, if you read it proper, tongues is languages. So I just want to say the last point. Um, the Pentecostal church, they really need us. They're lost. And as I was really lost, there are many women out there that are lost. So please, let's go out there and share the good news of Jesus. The Bible says, Romans 1.18, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. The charge that I've been given today is conquering pluralism. Um, now, there are various forms of pluralism, but religious pluralism really is the view that there are multiple ways to salvation um, through different religions. We know that is a lie from hell. Because Jesus Christ is literally, Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Amen? Okay, just want to make sure we have that conviction. Um, but really, the Bible says here in Romans 8, in Romans 1.18, that there are people who suppress the truth. And God sees this as godless and wicked. And we really have to see it the same way in order to conquer pluralism. Right? Pluralism suppresses the truth, and therefore it's godless and wicked. Um, we really need to just have a radical stance on this. Do we see it as um, wickedness? Do we have a righteous indignation when people claim that someone who's Buddhist, who's Muslim, someone who has moral values can go to heaven? That is a lie, and we need to be angry about that. I'm going to give four very quick practicals on conquering pluralism. Um, B-O-L-D. We need to be bold. So B... <laughs> We need to be brave enough to confront. Um, speaking about pluralism is not very comfortable. Yesterday on the tube back home, I was going through um, this with my sister, and people could hear what we were saying, and it started to get a bit tense in the carriage. Like, I was, you know, wanting to withdraw, but she looked at me, she was like, I can hear your voice going lower. You better speak up. courageous women like we need to be brave um point number two we need to overcome our fears right the bible in revelations 12 verse 11 says they overcame by what the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and our testimony really is our faith i love what kip said yesterday about how if we're not radically testifying about jesus christ we're not faithful and i believe we all want to be faithful women of god right? so we need to overcome really by our testimony our point Point number three, we need to be able to lay it out. And I so appreciate the verse Michelle shared in First Peter that talks about how we need to be ready to answer questions. We can't refute something we have no knowledge over. And really, I've noticed this as well in myself. Sometimes I share faith and someone says they're Muslim and I like go blank. Because I'm like, I don't really know that much about it, you know? So we really need to be equipped. Are we equipped to conquer? Um, last point, we need to defend the truth. And again, we just need to have a righteous anger, sisters, about the fact that the truth is being suppressed. It's wicked and it's godless. You know, there are great concepts in some of these religions. They can talk about love and peace. But really, anything outside of the Bible and outside of the gospel, it's a distraction. It is satanic. And we really need to see it that way. So I'm going to leave you with this, sisters. We need to be bold. 
women of God to conquer feminism. We need to be brave enough to confront. We need to overcome by reading the word of our testimony. We need to lay it out spiritually. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. We need to know what we're talking about. And we need to defend the truth. Amen. And to God be Do you accept them as 
your spiritual mother or spiritual father? Are you teaching the lessons that they instill in you to others? That's what it's about. We need to be unified in teaching the lessons that our father and mother in the faith teach us. If you don't have a mother or father in the faith, get adopted. I'm grateful for my spiritual parents, Michael and Michelle Williamson, because they have trained us and loved us. And often in Paris, we get asked, why are we doing this? And we say, because London does it this way, and the movement does it this way, so we're going to imitate and do it this way. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one